You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. He's James Rapine. I'm Jake Lisko. We're going to be joined today by Bengals Sands for the last two segments of the show as we revisit some of the interesting things that stood out on rewatch of the Bengals game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Saturday. But we're going to get started with an update from Monday's training camp practice. The headliner, James, Joe Burrow, will not be playing in preseason week two. This is the thing that always, to us, made the most sense. To me, anyway, you know, I've always said I don't want him playing in preseason all along. But it did seem, and and also you, I shouldn't say you wanted him to play in week two. You want him to play in week three of the preseason, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But I I do think that there were some things I was seeing that made me think he might play week two. Sounds like the plan all along was for him to not play week two of the preseason. I'm relieved, I guess, would be my initial reaction to this. And it's especially relieving when they're clearly still trying to figure out what's going on at the guard positions, which we'll talk about in a little bit. For sure. I mean, that, that's what I come back to. Like, are you really going to like, I get it, the symbolism and all that. Look, if Joe Burrow is who we think Joe Burrow is, he's going to have to go into FedEx field and play. And that's, you know, at some point. So I'm not really worried about that. At the same time, you don't know who the hell's playing guard. This offensive line, while it, and we're going to get into it with Sands and, and I'm going to ask you about it and we'll talk about it. it. It's, it's still evolving. We don't know what it is. It's not like we're talking about proven commodities up the middle around Burrow's knee, give it another week here. Let's continue to evaluate. And maybe you play him against Miami, maybe you don't. But I'm not going to be critical of the Bengals if they say, no, Joe's not playing this preseason. So when Zach said that on on Monday, I'm like, okay, that's fine. I get it. And if he says it next week, I'm not going to be critical because playing it safe is is okay in this instance because you're playing it safe to protect the franchise. (laughs) It's not like you're playing it safe on third and three right, or playing it safe in the draft when you need to swing big or whatever the case is. Like, you've you've got your guy. Now you got to make sure he's ready to go on September 12th. So I wasn't shocked about that. But, man, the, the offensive line, as it turns, and, and it's going to be such a topic from now until the end of time, it feels like, Jake. And they just continue to have this <laughs> revolving door. And we'll talk about it in a second because there were some interesting rotations at the guard positions, at least at left guard in practice on Monday. But before we move off Burrow, sounds like he had a really nice day of practice. There were many touchdowns to be had between him and Jamar Chase and specifically Jamar Chase, I think noteworthy here. One other catch we should probably talk about. There's a lot of people in my mentions today, James, that are like, why do we need Trent Taylor? He looks like another Alex Erickson. I don't want another safe Trent Taylor. Trent Nerwin, Had a really nice catch in practice today in the corner of the end zone. That highlight is out there on the Bengals Twitter page. Uh, But also Jamar Chase, some toe drag swag. He had a couple touchdowns. Sounds like three touchdowns potentially in team drills today, which, uh, hey, if Joe and Jamar starting to find that connection, even if it's just one practice, you take that as an encouraging sign, right? No doubt. I mean, it was – all right, so here's how Burrow and Chase – First play of 11s, boom, crossing route, hits him probably 15-yard gain, and they're at the 35. Next play, 
Burrow scrambles 15 yards or 10 to 15. And I'm estimating here. I don't have the exact yardage. Uh, but that's okay because guess what? There is no fantasy points in practice. So it's all right there, fantasy football fans. Then on second down from the two, they get down to the two-yard line. And this is all the same drive. Hits Jamar Chase far side away from the media. Back of the end zone fade. Chidobe Awuzie. And, and you've seen this. I, I tweeted it out from the Bengals. If, uh, if you haven't, you can go check it. They ruled him out of bounds. Definitely inbounds. Touchdown. So that's a touchdown. That, but it didn't count. So next play, Burrow off of his back foot under pressure. Lobs it up to a wide open Jamar Chase who beat who? Trey Waynes for the touchdown. So back-to-back plays. Beats Awuzie and then comes back and beats Waynes. And then later in 11s, uh, he beat Waynes again for a touchdown. So it was a great day for Jamar Chase. I think he had five or six catches in 11s, three touchdowns, even though the one didn't count, it definitely did and should have. And he was just, he looked explosive. He looked fast and more sure of himself. And so did Joe Burrow. I mean, it just, it went hand in hand and that's what you were hoping to see. So at least for one day, we can stop all the separation crap and the lack of separation. And the, the cherry on top would have been Jake a deep ball at the end of practice. It's the their final team period. Chase beats Awuzie, and Burrow just lofted it a little short, just left it a little short, and Chase had to stop, and Awuzie had time to, to catch up and make a play on the ball. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. And there was also another uh, catch. I actually tweeted about this one. Chase climbed the ladder above Awuzie, to basically protect Burrow from throwing what probably would have been a pick six, like basically took it over him. It was a line drive and Awuzie was off. And uh, Chase was like, nope, give me that. And kind of like rebounded it over him. And it was a line drive type throw. But uh, yeah, Chase easily, and I mean this, easily his best day of practice so far. It was uh, was a really good performance. Love the competition for the football in that last example you talk about. That is one of the things that makes the Burrow to Chase connection special is just the amount of trust that Joe Burrow has in Jamar Chase to fight for the football, win those 50-50s, or in this case, sounds like 80-20 in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you like to hear that from your rookie rookie wide receiver who's known for his contested catchability. This is something that I expect T. Higgins to start doing a little bit more of as well. We'll see how that plays out this season. Not that he did it in this practice or anything, but last year there were times that I thought T should win some 50-50 balls that he didn't end up coming down with. And I think that what we're seeing from T, this this camp, bodes well that that's going to start happening a little bit more in the future. It's so funny you mentioned that because as much as I just talked about Chase and the stats and the productivity, Higgins might have had the catch of the day and it was a 15-yarder and I forget who it was against but he had to climb the ladder for it. And it was definitely one of those contested catch type situations. And I was like, Ooh, he caught that. Yeah, he caught that. So he didn't, uh, he wasn't as open as chase. They didn't connect as much in this practice, but yeah, Higgins had a couple of nice plays in, in team too. And I, I think that's the overall theme here is the offense is starting to look like the offense that we expected to see at the start of camp. Yeah. And Joe Burrow sounds like he's feeling a lot more comfortable with those scrambles as well. And, the Bengals still trying to figure out the offensive line, which I hope eventually contributes to Joe Burrow feeling even more comfortable, ideally in the pocket and not just tucking the ball and running. And Deontay Smith, you've noted this on your Twitter page today during the practice, got the initial 
first team reps at left guard than in team. Sounds like Quentin Spain and Deontay Smith were rotating with the ones a little bit. It's interesting to me that Deontay Smith hasn't yet gotten an opportunity at right guard. I thought Brian Callahan's comments about him having to play both sides kind of hinted at that potential, uh, but we didn't see it today on Monday. However, I would love to see Deontay Smith against some number ones this week in Washington, especially if Joe Burrow isn't playing and I don't have to have anxiety about Joe Burrow's knee. Uh, Deontay Smith, I think, played really well and has earned some chances to go against better competition and see how he holds up. And so it sounds like and looks like, based on the way they're practicing, that might be a possibility. You certainly hope so, because you want to reward guys that work hard and are productive. Well, so far, Deontay Smith has done everything that they've asked from him. He's got some of the physical traits you look for. We always talk about the long arms and the wingspan, but he played pretty well on Saturday night. And if Jackson Carmen would have played like Deontay Smith, maybe we wouldn't be questioning Jackson Carmen if they switched, right? Because we expected this to kind of be a redshirt year for Smith. And now it looks like he might be more ready than we realized. And hopefully that's the case. Because I don't really give a damn who emerges, Jake. Someone needs to emerge. And maybe it is Michael Jordan, right? In On the other side of left guard, it is Quentin Spain or it is Deontay Smith. But I want to see, because maybe your, your best group your best five is Quentin Spain at left guard and Deontay Smith at right guard and Michael Jordan backing them up you know or Jackson Carmen backing them up. like I don't know and so experimenting now I'm okay with it because number nine isn't back there like you said that's a, a really big factor because boy oh boy the interior of this line there's just there's a lot of question marks with Hopkins's health the two guard spots unsettled and uh, only a month until the regular season starts so they they have a it seems like a lot of time, but not a lot of time to make sure they figure out the best five to keep number nine, keep Joe Burrow upright. They've got to figure it out. And by the way, I'm just going to say this. I'm really rooting for Mike Jordan to have it figured out. There's a lot of trauma and PTSD kind of related to some of his bad snaps and bad reps in the last couple of years. But I, I thought he played reasonably well against really good players. And we'll talk to Bengal Sands. We'll talk to Mike about that in just a few minutes here. He moved Vita Vea in a run play, like five yards of vertical displacement on a Joe Mixon wow. run. And Vita Vea is a good player, very good player. I mean, mm-hmm. we all know, right? And so I think he held up in pass protection as well. So the thing with Jordan is he looks fine and then has a really bad play. And he didn't really play enough that a bad play happened, or maybe they're going to be less frequent. And that would be the big thing for him. But I'm rooting for the guy. This could be the first time in his career he's had competent coaching. So we'll see how the rest of the preseason goes for Jordan at right guard as they try to figure that one out. Coming up next, Bengal Sands. Mike joins James and I as we revisit Saturday's game and hit our second watch takeaways. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether it's baseball, the Reds in full swing, trying to make a playoff push, or Maybe you just want to get in right into the NFL and maybe you want to bet on a preseason game or you think Joe Burrow is going to win comeback player of the year or maybe MVP. Well, they got odds on that at betonline.ag or maybe it's Jamar Chase offensive rookie of the year after his one, two, three touchdown performance in practice on Monday. You can do all of that and so much more at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And when you go to betonline.ag right now and you use promo code LOCKEDON, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus 
on your first deposit. That's free money, like money Mick Fearson. So make sure you go there now. BetOnline.ag, promo code locked on, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We're now joined by Bengals Sands. We're going to do our film breakdown, our second reaction to Bengals preseason game number one. Mike, welcome back to the show. We're going to start with the offense. I know you've done a lot of tape watching. I've seen you put the clips out on the Twitter machine. Make sure you follow Mike at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. And let's just start with the offensive line. This is the big question We didn't talk about it a ton in segment one, although we did see a little bit of rotation happening at the guard positions. It looks like Deontay Smith coming off of maybe the best offensive line game out of any Bengal who played an extended duration on Saturday is getting a shot for some more first team snaps. I personally felt better when I rewatched the offensive line and saw how they played the second time around and started focusing on individual players was less distracted by other things going on. What were your takeaways when you watched this offensive line the second time? I agree that on the second watch, it was better. Um, Honestly, it feels weird. Mike Jordan was fine, but just hearing that Mike Jordan might be the starting right guard just kind of makes you anxious and clench up. (laughs) Uh, So but he looked fine. He he was against tough competition for almost all of his uh, reps out there. Billy Price also, I thought, looked fine. I'm not sure if that PFF thing was a input error or they really think he had a zero. But I remember a few times snapped and set like the nose tackle and didn't give up any ground. So it's not it's not a zero to me. That's a plus. That's a good play. Uh, the second team, yeah, I just couldn't stop watching Deontay Smith the second time where he showed so much strength. You could see when he was in college, he was, I think, 285, and he didn't have that type of strength. And then you see him in this preseason game, and he's moving guys. He's just moving guys, and he can just – he stops, and he's stalled, and he has the strength while stationary to move a guy, seal him, and create a hole. I thought that was really impressive. And I mean, there was a few plays he got to the second level with the linebackers and he was just bullying them off of the screen. Like I couldn't watch where he went afterwards. Carmen, uh, better on the second watch. The first watch I was uh, thinking, oh, this isn't good, but and it still wasn't great. It was there were moments of good moments of bad. So many jump sets. And the thing with jump sets is just your window for success is so small because if you lose immediately, you're not recovering. You're moving forward, and he's moving forward as well, so you have to change your direction completely. Where if you're moving backwards and you punch and the guy swipes it away, you have a chance because you're you're still moving in the right direction to recover, maybe push him around the pocket, more of a tackle thing than a guard thing, but just get your keep your body in front. So when you lose on a jump set, it looks worse than it is. But, yeah, I... But feel better, but anytime I I feel like Mike Jordan's going to be the starting right guard, it just makes me nervous. To me, it was a thing That's where fair. it was – I thought they were a little bit better, but there's still a lot to prove. And just a real quick note, James, before you get your question in, the, the jump set thing versus a regular pass set stands out. There's one snap in particular where 
Carmen immediately whiffs on his punch and there's a counter move and he's just gone. You, you can't recover because he's by you. Whereas Mike Jordan gets his hand swiped down on a play where he's out there, but he's able to reset, re-anchor and slow the guy down a little bit. And, and that's just a difference in a regular pass set versus what we're seeing from Carmen, which is trying to engage and, and beat the defender to the punch which is not often what we, it's not what Willie Anderson would talk about, by the way. Will, uh, but for example, Willie Anderson would probably not teach you to punch first the way we saw from Jackson Carmen, but perhaps he was instructed to do that within the, the, the confines of a quick pass game plan. So something to watch certainly going forward does he continue to jump set pretty much every pass rep. And if he does, then that to me means he's not ready to play every down on Sundays and there's a lot of time to figure that out and start to correct that, but we'll have to see how that goes. James, sorry I cut you off there. <laughs> this is the the crazy part of having a trio, right? Um, no, let's stick with Jackson Carmen because to me, a month ago, if you would have said Michael Jordan is starting over Jackson Carmen, I would have laughed because I thought Michael Jordan was coming into camp battling for a job, as in a job on the 53, not a starting job, a spot, essentially. Um, what has Carmen got to do here? Cause I've watched him in camp. Hasn't really flashed. You mentioned it a mixed bag and I'm being polite. Uh, I think on, on Saturday night outside of just not just doing jump sets, what does he need to do over the next couple of weeks to maybe push Michael Jordan or push Frank Pollock and make this decision challenging? Because if Jordan's going to win the job, okay. As long as it's a challenge. And right now, it doesn't feel like it's a challenge. It feels like, oh, Michael Jordan's in shape and Xavier Suofilo's kind of injury prone and past his prime at this stage and his prime wasn't that great to begin with. And Jackson Carmen isn't ready. So I guess we got to go with Michael Jordan. So what do you what do you think Carmen has to do to make this a competition, a true competition? Because it doesn't feel that way right now. He has to look good against the second team. I think of when I'm thinking of a starter, think of Mike Daniels and he went against the second team for like three plays and he destroyed them. And that's what a starter should be doing to the second team, not having a mixed bag, getting thrown to the ground by a fourth, by their fourth defensive tackle. You can't have that because I mean, what's he going to do when he faces Cam Hayward or Stefan to it? It's that's just becomes an injury liability. So you need to see him dominate enough against the second team like Deontay Smith did. And then you can give him some first team reps against, well, I guess he'd have to do it against Washington's second team. So whoever the first team reps on uh, Miami would be. So he has to do it against like Christian Wilkins, people like that who aren't elite, but if he holds his own against like decent, solid defensive tackles. So it's like a two week program. So <laughs> he has to look good next week. And then he has to look like he can start the week after that's if Miami even plays those guys. Cause they might not. Yeah. It's really hard to say what teams are going to do in preseason game three. And I agree with you. He has to look a lot better against backups than he did. He should be, he should look like the best player on the field. If you're a second round pick in the second half of a preseason game, you should look like one of the best players on the field. And he's not quite there. It's not to say that he was awful. He, he was a little bit better. Like I said, than I thought on my first watch and he won a lot of those jump sets, but I want to see him take some more regular pass net, pass sets as well. If you're jump setting every play, I don't care how successful you are. At some point, you're going to get absolutely abused doing that. And so I want to see him take some regular 
pass sets as well before I'm comfortable. But yeah, you make a good point. Going against Christian Wilkins, if he holds his own, Christian Wilkins is a really good player. So we'll see if that happens in preseason game three. Before we get to the defense, there was a clear emphasis in this game on the wide zone. Looks like they were emphasizing screen passes as well. Is that in line with what you saw in your rewatch from a schematic perspective for the offense? Yeah, uh, it definitely, I mean, there was so much wide zone stuff. It was like I did all that research on my last two articles on wide zone and plays off of it, and it was, I don't know, a quarter, maybe more, of like every offensive play was a wide zone or a naked keeper off of it with like a slide from somebody. And I don't know, crack toss was in there, which is a play I think works well with wide zone and same with uh duo i wrote all of that in my last one we ran both of those plays as well so even including plays that are like adjacent to wide zone it was it looks like the offense i saw a lot of condensed splits uh tight to the line tight to each other there was some bunch sets and we ran we've we've run this before but it just looked like we looked like our own version of the rams which is kind of what i was thinking might be happening the only problem I, I I see is that and I can't see this on all 22 or anything yet because coaches film isn't still up on game pass, but the real key to doing this wide zone stuff is that you want to package all your plays to look the same. So when you run, so, so we use Tyler Boyd on a slide route, but for us to keep doing that, he has to eventually seal that end on a split wide zone play or at least cut him down or something. Because if you see Tyler Boyd on that side, he starts running across. You're like, okay, this is this is a naked keep. They don't run, they don't run this play. They don't run wide zone, split wide zone with him coming across, to being the sifter like they do with Uzoma or Sample. Just things like that. We'll see if we get any more of a, I would call it a real view of the offense in week two of the preseason. Obviously, things are kept relatively vanilla. They're working on specific things. That really they were working on in practice last week that carried over into the game. We'll see if we get any more of a view of the offense coming up in week two. Coming up next, we talk defense where there were some clear standouts and some really interesting things in the trenches that we can talk about with Bengals Sands. That's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is the place to go for all of your car and auto parts needs. Look, the weather's nice. You're trying to maintain that car because there's nothing worse than having unreliable transportation. And Rock Auto, they've been in the business for more than two decades. And it doesn't matter if you're looking for parts for your Honda, your Hyundai, your Daewoo, your Mercedes. They have it in one spot. You don't have to go to the big box store. You can stay at home and find the parts you're looking for, whether it's a fuel pump or something as simple as windshield washer fluid in one spot, rockauto.com. So go there now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and be sure to write Locked On. And their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. This episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast is also brought to you by Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts players in control and winning within reach. It's great because Stat Hero shows you their lineups, and then all you got to do is beat them. It's you against the house in a fantasy head-to-head matchup. No one else does that. That's what makes Stat Hero so great. You have all of the advantage because you know what you have to beat. You're in total control. It's DFS the way it was meant to be done. 
one on one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on to sign up for free. And right now you'll get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on again. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Mike, let's talk defense a little bit here. The thing that stood out to me the most outside of Joe Batchy, who I thought played great in the second half, was very active. Pretty obvious when you're breaking out passes that you're doing something right, and he did that three times, I think. The other thing that really stood out was the stunts and the twists from the defensive front. That was the most notable thing to me. Obviously, Joseph Osai individually played really well, stood out with his effort, stood out with his motor, stood out with his athleticism. But from a schematic perspective, and maybe we'll start there, stunts and twists more pronounced than I recall them being last year with Marion Hobby now coaching this Bengals defensive line. Yeah, that was for me too. Uh, we kept the same fronts for the most part, like a three, four, five, two, sometimes, sometimes we did the four, two nickel. And even last year we would um, sugar or mug our linebackers up in the a gap, but we didn't do anything that interesting out of it. And then there was a specifically one play on Saturday where we double mugged them and we ran a twist on each side where the linebacker and tackle twisted tackle took the inside linebacker took the outside. And I mean, what that did was, it gave one of our linebackers a one-on-one with a running back, which you'll take every day. Running backs aren't known for pass protection for the most part, other than Geo. And then what else did was uh, the entire interior offensive line, everybody was dealing with that. So both our defensive ends had one-on-ones with their tackle. And they didn't win, and it went for a completion. But that's the end result, and I was more looking at the process where I thought, okay, this is, this is interesting. I don't think I've seen this. I've seen us do a couple twists, but they were – way more pronounced uh, this week. So uh, you had in that play that everybody was talking about with Tristan Wirfs and Joseph Osai, it was a stunt and Alex Kappa actually looked like he might've jump set uh, Sam Hubbard and they weren't able to keep their levels, which goes back to not wanting Jackson Carmen to jump set all the time because somebody runs a stun at you and then you get picked off and you're giving up a quarterback hit because you can't do anything. So uh, you've got great plays coming out of it. It looks I, I like the way they look just in general. They're fun. I like them schematically. Uh, it's just interesting. It's it's better to do a four-man rush with some type of stunt than to me than it is to just rush four straight ahead, you know, keep whatever rush lanes and hope they get there. I like freeing the guys up through games like that. Do you think it, it was a depth thing? Last year, like they had so many injuries on the defensive line. I mean, it's not in Marion Hobby is a difference maker, could be a difference maker, I guess, uh, along the defensive line. But there's more depth there and they clearly weren't getting pressure last year. Why wouldn't they have tried to do some stunts and twists last year if they were struggling with it? Was it just a a depth difference now and they feel comfortable with Sample and Osai and all these guys that are going to be rotational pieces? Yeah, I think. There's some of that. It's personnel. Uh, Sam Hubbard got hurt kind of early last year, and he was a guy that was really in two years ago, still with Lou Anarumo, and I don't remember the defensive line coach's name, but he was there as well. And we ran not as often as we did on Saturday, but we ran some stunts, especially an ET where the end's going to crash first, tackle loops around, Sam Hubbard's inside at the tackle. He's looping because he's 
pretty athletic. He can move, change direction well. And Carlos Dunlap, two years ago, was the guy that would be the E, and he would come in. It, I mean, it's not legal, but he would grab <laughs> he would grab both the guys so none of them could go get him. And uh, that worked out to get Sam Hubbard. I think he had, what, seven sacks? I think like four of them came off of just that. So uh, two years ago, it seemed like we liked them. Last year, whatever reason, it could be personnel. It could be we're facing Lamar Jackson. You can't leave your rushing lane or something. That's only twice a year. But game plan-wise, there's other reasons that maybe you don't run the stunt. But, I mean, work around it. Get it in there. I think last year it would have helped us a lot because we didn't have the personnel to just rush for and hope they get there other than Lawson. It does help make up for when you don't have that individual chaos creator, like when Gino goes down or Gino's playing with an injury and maybe they were relying on him to create that havoc from three tech. And, and then it just doesn't end up materializing. They have all the opt outs. They had the, the injury to Hubbard you mentioned. So it really did pile up a little bit last year. Regardless, it's nice to see that being incorporated a little, a little bit more in 2021. I think that with the personnel they have, it does help. I thought generally speaking, outside of just the stunts, the individual players on the defensive line mostly all played very well as well. We talked about Joseph Osai. We talked about Darius Hodge. Both of those guys had a lot of success against the backup tackles for Tampa. But even against the starters, I thought the interior, the Mike Daniels, uh, DJ Reader, and Josh Tupo, first team interior defensive line played great against the run. I thought Von Bell and Jermaine Pratt's run stops were both nice plays that were impressive for them individually, in addition to the defensive interior. And on um, one of them, Sam Hubbard setting the edge well, and Trey Wayne setting the edge well, stringing that run outside. Any other big takeaways from individual players for you on your rewatch of the defense? You mentioned DJ Reader, but he got Alex Kappa bad with a uh, move oh, yeah. on that deep ball to Antonio Brown. Uh, it looked like he might have grabbed, grabbed his right arm and dipped underneath it, like a little forklift move. And I mean, we he hit Tom Brady there. Tom Brady got hit off of a twist elsewhere on the sack. So, um, yeah, I thought they played really well against a very tough competition in Tampa Bay's offensive line, which I think is very good. Um, other than that, along the front, um, really means nothing. But I mean, Logan Wilson did get beat by Geo on a choice route for a first down. I remember that. It, it's one play, <laughs> so it's hard to have takeaways with the first team offensive or uh, defensive front because they played like eight snaps other than Daniels kept playing into the, and Osai kept playing. Uh, other than that, not too many takeaways. Uh, I thought coverage wise, it's hard to tell just because you're on broadcast. You can't see what everybody's doing. It looked like more man coverage than I thought it would be because I thought we'd be moving a little bit like 60, 40 zone, like cover three zone or cover two or whatever we're going to play. Uh, probably cover through with Jesse Bay Steep, but uh, it looked like I saw a lot of man turning and linebackers trying to pick up running backs or safeties on tight ends running downfield, which still could be zone, could be a weird matchup thing, but it looked interesting to me that that could be a little bit more man coverage than I was expecting personally. And we'll continue to monitor that in week two of the preseason. We'll see how these trends continue to develop. Some some others will get some opportunities. We'll see Larry Ogunjobi most likely back for week two of the preseason. We'll see how that changes things in terms of depth chart on defensive interior for Josh Tupo or Mike Daniels. We'll potentially see the return of Eli Apple, get a look at him in stripes if he manages to heal up 
and get back out there and probably not that he didn't play on Saturday, even more cam sample with Joseph Osai, not likely, even though Zach Taylor wouldn't commit to it, not likely to play after injuring his wrist on Saturday. Mike, thanks for joining us for your takeaways. We'll get back into them again next week after the Bengals play preseason game two against the Washington football team coming up on Friday. That's also going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow with another training camp report as the Bengals have a short week. Three practices, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then a game on Friday. Preseason marches on, so do we. Until next time, Bengals fans, hootay, and have a good one.